The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. We want to be able to break through as much as possible these these things that get in the way of, of actually seeing Jesus to show you know that God is real, that Christ is real, that the power of the gospel is real. His voice is widely known and appreciated. Max McLean is our guest now on First Person. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Max is an award-winning actor and founder of the Fellowship for Performing Arts. He's also the narrator of the Listener's Bible and many other projects. And we'll get to know him in just a moment as you stay with us now for First Person. These conversations are made possible each week by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which is committed to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media technology. Please learn how you can support this mission by visiting FirstPersonInterview.com and clicking on the banner for FEBC, the Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. Well, let's get to know Max McLean. In addition to his Bible narrations, Max has appeared on stage in several well-received one-man shows. They include Mark's Gospel, The Screwtape Letters, and C.S. Lewis on Stage, The Most Reluctant Convert, among others. As we begin, though, it's with a clip of his outstanding Bible narration. The Gospel According to John Chapter 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Max McLean, welcome to First Person. Thank you. That is, of course, one of your Bible narrations. There have been a number of them, and perhaps one of the things that people will identify your voice. Say, well, that's the guy that I listen to. Well, I've been doing it. I think the first uh, recording I did was in the early 90s. And I've done at least five Bible recordings since then. Well, you're well known for your performance art, Max, but we'll, we'll talk about the theater part of what you do in a moment. But I want to focus on the, the public reading of Scripture. It's in First uh, Timothy 4.13. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Whenever I hear you, I, I think of that verse because the public reading of Scripture is an ancient practice, actually. Now we have your voice that uh, accomplishes that for us many times. Well, thank you. Thank you. It, it's, it came out of, you know, I was an adult convert to Christ, and I'd already been in the theater. Where, where it came from was uh, how could you, I use the skills and techniques I developed in the theater for ministry, and I thought, well, why not apply those to the Bible? Mm-hmm. I would do first do live presentations of the Bible, Mark and Acts and Genesis and others, And then uh, after a while, I was asked to record it, and I'm really glad I did. Yeah, we are glad you did. You mentioned an adult convert. Tell us your story. Uh, When did you encounter Christ? It was in my 20s. I came from uh, a—I grew up nominally Catholic uh, after confirmation, which I did remember communion and confirmation as as being important experiences. I guess I lost interest or uh, other things got, got in. And then in my 20s, uh, after 
college, uh, I met a young woman uh, who um, I was interested in. She was a Christian, and if I wanted to be with her on Sundays, I'd, I'd have to go to church. And, <laughs> yeah, I know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, and I met some very interesting people, and, and they encouraged me to read John's Gospel. And I read it in one sitting, and I thought Jesus was going to come out of the pages. Mm. Um, I tried to read the Bible in the past, but for some reason my eyes weren't, I wasn't prepared to read it. And I didn't read it as a story. Uh, I guess I read it in a way that, more like a textbook. Mm-hmm. And it was reading John's Gospel as a story. Jesus is such a hero. And he's, he's unjustly charged and unjustly condemned. And I, I went along for the journey with him uh, and really felt it emotionally. And I remember the, the, the resurrection was, was uh, I guess I knew it was, you know, I'd, I'd heard rumors about it. But uh, I, I didn't, you know, when it happened in the story, I was just overwhelmed. And so the story was certainly now meaningful where in the past it wasn't. And then it moved to being true. That was in my twenties, yeah. and so I, I really, you know, took a moral inventory and and uh, wanted to change the way I was living. and And I felt the Holy Spirit was there to make that happen. Hmm. Max, when you read Scripture, there's such a range of emotion. Uh, there's great tenderness when it's called for, but there's great authority as well. How do you approach it? Well, one of the things about an actor is you're always looking for intent. What was the intent of the speaker? You're, you're looking for what is the emotional content that drives the intent. That you know, what is the purpose of that particular passage? And uh, and then, of course, it becomes instinctual. You know, once you're dealing with a a very intense passage, you know, actors are trained to take a thought on the page and interpret it and apply breath to it and have something come out that approximates what's on the page. Hmm. And uh, so that's kind of how things are. It's a very intuitive process that you get better at the more you do it. Did you set out as a young person to become an actor? No, I, uh, I started acting in my senior year of college primarily to get over my fear of being in front of people. I went to the weird part of campus and took an oral interpretation class. <laughs> and uh, that's when the bug bit. Who were the early encouragers of you? Oh, that's a very interesting question because I think at the beginning it was my parents didn't understand it. It was such a, you know, I was an athlete. So I guess in a certain sense, you know, performance on an athletic field was something I knew. And translating that to the theater was something I could relate to. But in the early days, you know, there, there was more of a, of a discouragement. And and I actually kind of agree with that because people shouldn't go into the theater unless they really are called to do it. Hmm. So I, I felt in my early years, I really didn't have a, a total, a lot of encouragement. I really wasn't sure what I was doing. But it was after I became a Christian that these things, you know, I understood the power of, of theater and storytelling. And I'd seen great theater that really moved people. And I just recently experienced part of the gospel. And I thought, why not put these two things together? And that's when the encouragement started happening. So where did it start? What was your, what was your, the first thing you, uh, you did as a, as a young professional? I started acting in my senior college. Then I went to London. And then when I came back, I was, you know, just, you know, pounding the pavement, uh, getting uh, odd jobs, some regional theater stuff, uh, doing a few sort of voiceover things. And then my, uh, but it really wasn't going in a 
particularly fruitful way. Uh, at that time, my wife was pregnant with our first daughter, so I decided to leave the theater. Uh, this was probably about uh, oh, probably around two years after I came back from England. I would imagine it's a hard way to make a living when you're first getting started. Yeah, it re- it really it really is. You know, I mean, you know, actors are very resourceful. Uh, that's one thing you you you're aware of. But uh, I felt like it was important to leave the theater. You know, to to really. Uh, support the family because I really wasn't doing a good job of that. Sharon and I got very involved in a local church, really strong local church. And uh, within a couple of years, uh, the Lord kind of brought it back through the encouragement of people like Ravi Zacharias, who was my teacher, and then later R.C. Sproul. But uh, all these people uh, found out I had theater background, so they thought, why not use the skills and techniques to develop in the theater, you know, uh, do it as ministry. And I really didn't know what that was going to look like. That's when I started doing the you know, the the presentations of Mark's gospel and Genesis, and that led to recording the Bible. Uh, did you start with Mark? Yeah, and they're, they're word for word. Uh, they're very engaging. I mean, surprisingly so. People were shocked at how engaging they were. I, I You know, uh, so often we, we go to the Scripture to get some kind of a precept, uh, a teaching. The Bible is written largely as narrative, and the narr- narrative has power that really... Uh, connects you to the supernatural world. And I, uh, I realized that, that many people in the church weren't experiencing the Bible in that way. And so it felt like I was really providing a contribution that wasn't really around very much then. But it must be a lot of hard work. Uh, I'm sure you're asked all the time, how do, you, how do you remember all that? How do you commit all that to memory? Well, it's the minimum requirement for the job. I mean, you, you really, <laughs> you, you really, uh, it doesn't go anywhere until you memorize it. That's when the magic comes. You know, after after you have it in your body, you're you're able to have this conversation with it, this this connection with it that really is is quite uh, quite amazing. Uh, but it doesn't happen until you you know you make it this. Uh, I never worry about what my next line is going to be. I know it so well hmm. that I know it's going to be there, and and that is that's so liberating in terms of you're you're going to communicate. You're in the moment. You're absolutely in the moment. Does it stay with you in your heart and mind after you know you're you're no longer performing it in public, so to speak? Can you recite it now, for instance? I mean, is it in your head? Oh, I, I, I it might be rough, but it wouldn't take long for me to get it back. No, no. Like, it's very interesting. I, 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 I was just in Santa Fe, and I don't know if you know, Santa Fe is like 7,200 7, feet high. And uh, I was doing Most Reluctant Convert at the Lensic Theater there. And I had done a run-through in the afternoon and then a performance that night. All that, and I wasn't prepared, but uh, um, all this exhaling and inhaling, uh, I actually fainted. I mean, I, I, I went completely blank. However, the stage manager said I didn't miss a line. you know i mean it was so strange because that was so in my back brain we'll get to know more of max mclean and the fellowship for performing arts coming up on first person when i first heard the good news on the vpc's station i tried praying to jesus for the first time life is difficult but christ is helping me see things differently. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. 
You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC, telling more listener stories, while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is actor Max McLean, and this is from his performance as C.S. Lewis in The Most Reluctant Convert. The horror of the Christian universe, as I saw it, is that it has no door marked exit. A young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. (laughs) If my clearest reasoning tells me that my mind is nothing more than the accidental result of atoms colliding in skulls, (laughs) there must be some mistake. Within the English faculty, I befriended Hugo Dyson and J.R.R. Tolkien, both Christians. Oh, these queer people were popping up on every side. There was a wider disturbance. All my books were turning against me. Oh, I must have been as blind as a bat not to have seen this before. George MacDonald had done more to me than any other writer. Of course, he had that bee in his bonnet about Christianity. He was good in spite of it. Spencer, Milton, Dante had it too. I thought Chesterton the most sensible man alive, apart from his Christianity. Oh, I was beginning to think that Christianity was quite sensible, apart from its Christianity. If Hamlet and Shakespeare could ever meet, it would have to be Shakespeare's doing. He could write himself into the play. If Jesus' statements are false, Christianity is of no importance. If true, it is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. (laughs) I concluded that if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world could satisfy. The most probable explanation is I was made for another world. Max, you've just uh, finished in Boston, The Most Reluctant Convert, and I don't know if you'll be taking it elsewhere around the country. I certainly hope so. It's been very popularly received, hasn't it? And reviewed very very positively. It's it's a great piece. It's a, it's a, it's a conversion story. Uh, and conversions are, are dramatic. They're theatrical. Uh, and in this case, incredibly well written. I, I was smart enough to use Lewis's own language uh, from his autobiography and his collected letters. Uh, to tell his own story of uh, somebody who really despised Christianity, was so against it. And, you know, I mean, he was kind of a Christopher Hitchens school. And for that, to come from that place to perhaps the most influential Christian writer of the 20th century is quite a story. Yeah. And of course, you're also well known for the screw tape letters. I wish we had time to talk about each one of these. But one point I want to make for our listeners is that it's not just your performance, but you actually uh, conceive and produce and direct these as well, adapt these works by Lewis for the stage. Yeah, uh, that's uh, I've taken a lot of time doing that. Uh, screw tape and, and the great divorce were the, the main reason I wanted to do most reluctant convert because one of the things I, I, it it wasn't obvious, but one of the things I I learned uh, in studying Lewis um, was that he loved to retell his conversion story in various ways. 
uh, Screw Tape and The Great Divorce are narrative retellings of aspects of his conversion story. And Screw Tape, uh, you know, he's the patient that Screw Tape's attacking to keep him from the faith, from moving forward in the faith. In The Great Divorce, Lewis makes the uh, is the narrator. You know, he himself is the narrator uh, who is being guided throughout heaven and realizing, you know, does he really want to be there? Because his heart is not into it, you know. And the the point that Lewis is making in The Great Divorce is that the the doors of hell are locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. That those who are in hell choose it, and it's it requires a change of heart to want to be with God. And Lewis really struggled with that, and so that was the point of both Screw Tape and The Great Divorce. And so that led me to say, well, I'd like to you know really dig into his own conversion story and then of and, and and he wrote quite a bit about that yeah. you know uh so it's it's been a very uh delightful piece to do i love how audiences respond to it uh we're going to be taking it to colleges and universities we're going to be at princeton brown and uc berkeley oh, good. in the fall we're, we're touring uh detroit uh in october uh phoenix san diego la you are on the go. We'll put a link at firstpersoninterview.com so listeners can uh, check that out and hopefully attend one of the performances. I know hundreds of thousands of people have. And of course, uh, Lewis's works are treasured by Christians. But what you're doing as well is you're, you're introducing a whole new audience to Lewis's work. You have to be thinking about that as well. Well, I, I, I feel like Lewis is, he, he, he made such a contribution to the Christian community in, in the 20th century because he was such a literary academic. Uh, and he did his work in an academic setting at Oxford and Cambridge. And so he, he was translating Christian precepts and truths through story and imagination to people that were unlikely to be interested. Hmm. And, uh, and I, I just think he has been such a tremendous, he's been, he's become my spiritual guide over the past uh, 10, 15 years because of that. Yeah, that that that's very obvious as we watch you, Max. How do people respond? I I know there's the the Christian response uh, so positively to what you're doing. Of course, they resonate with the message, but do you encounter skeptics at all who come to the performance? And what do they say? Yeah, they they do. I think the the, the most important thing is being theater. It is entertainment, so uh, it it does if it does nothing else, entertain. Uh, that's a big win because uh, one of the uh, the dean of the American Theater, Harold Clerman, said, "Make them laugh, and while their mouths are open, pour truth in." <laughs> um, I think that's kind of what we're trying to do is is give them an experience that is not a church experience. There's 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 no sense that you know you're going to be sold anything. Uh, there's a real sense that you're going to have an enjoyable experience, and while you're enjoying it, you're going to have uh, you're going to be presented with ideas and concepts that are worthy of consideration Hmm. and the plausibility of, of God, the plausibility of Christ, uh, particularly in a person that was not looking for that is something that I think is, uh, is needed. It's kind of, uh, kind of a link, uh, sort of a missing link Hmm. in the culture. The, the, The culture doesn't have too many things where, where you know Christianity is presented just like any other entertainment is presented, right? 
And, and I feel like we need more of that to get it in, you know, in the bloodstream of the culture. You are the founder and artistic director of the Fellowship for Performing Arts, and that must be the mission that you just described. Yeah, we produce theater from a Christian worldview meant to engage a diverse audience. So we do that by being very careful of, of the kind of material that we select. Lewis is certainly always there, though we've done other things. And uh, we try to execute it to the highest levels that our budgets will allow so that we can play the great performing arts venues around the country. Uh, we, we, we don't normally play in churches. We usually play in performing arts centers and theaters and venues where we feel like a more diverse audience would go. Uh, and then we, the fellowship is people that support it. You know, it's a fellowship of people that believe that art and theater from a Christian worldview can capture the imagination and influence culture. Is there an aspect of mentoring to the fellowship? Mentoring in the sense of inspiring and in terms of working with us, you know, in in terms of people that watch our shows are inspired by it. There's not a lot of teaching at the moment. It's by example. Yeah. Are you encouraged by a generation of actors that you see coming behind you? Uh, that are Christian? Yes. I, I, I think it's a challenge. Um, the Christian, I mean, the, the theater world is, is really all-encompassing, uh, in not just theater, but film. I think it's, it can be very challenging to maintain a Christian witness in that field on a, uh, if you're really, you're really dug in. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I produce, mm-hmm. you know, fellowship really emerged because I want to produce things, uh, it, uh that, uh, would speak to a Christian worldview in, in the theater business and the film business. It's not about the actors or the designers. There's a lot of those. The people that really make the difference in terms of what gets produced are are the writers who are writing uh, good material that that will get produced, and then the producers who organize it in terms of raising the money and hiring the people. They're the real movers and shakers in in the entertainment business, and uh, that's where. Christians need to be, uh, I, I, I believe the Christians need to be at, at that level, at, at the level of producer and writer, because that's what gets, that's what determines what gets made. Well, I commend you for what you're doing. It seems to me that whatever you choose to do is, is all about the gospel, Max. That, that's very important to you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's a way of, of trying to present the gospel without sort of cultural not so much baggage, that's not the right word, but uh, the, these these things that get in the way of, of actually seeing Jesus. Cultural stigmas. We, we want to be able to break through as much as possible to show, you know, that God is real, that Christ is real, that, that the power of the gospel is real. That's the motivation of a performing artist who realizes that his gifting is to be used in proclaiming Christ to the glory of God. Our guest has been actor Max McLean, and you can learn more about Max and the Fellowship for Performing Arts by visiting firstpersoninterview.com. Thanks for joining us for this first-person conversation. If you haven't already, I hope you'll take a moment to go to your app store and download the free first-person app. It allows you to listen to this program on the go and even download interviews for listening at your convenience. Just search for first-person interview in your app store. The Far East Broadcasting Company is our partner in bringing these weekly conversations to you. I'm very excited about how God is using FEBC broadcasts in many countries, and I want you to learn more about how you can pray for and support it. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. 
Join us next time for First Person.